This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Approximately one in seven couples is considered infertile. In a significant number of these couples, male infertility plays a role. As in female infertility, there are a variety of causes of infertility in males. Many of these couples will initially present to their primary care provider for help. And really depending on our practice, we may not see all that many patients with this concern and therefore we may not be comfortable with the evaluation of the infertile couple. So today's podcast will review infertility in males and hopefully give you a better understanding of the causes of infertility and how to evaluate the infertile male. Our guest today is Dr. Savan Hilo, a urologist at the Mayo Clinic. Savan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to spending this time with you. Well, before we talk about what can go wrong, let's talk about what goes right. What does it actually take for a sperm to fertilize an egg? That's such a great question. So fertilization is a really complex but elegant process. I describe to patients that it really requires a lot of sperm to be at the right place at the right time. The average man, when he ejaculates, will ejaculate 100 million sperm at a time, but only one of those sperm will ultimately fertilize an egg. And to do so, that sperm has to swim to the right place, up the vagina, into the fallopian tube, and then release enzymes that will help penetrate the egg and hopefully create the process of fertilization. And if that's successful, that embryo will then implant in the uterus a few days later. All right. So that can go right. Let's talk about what can go wrong. How often is infertility a male issue versus a female issue? Yeah, this is a really common question I get from patients. And I like to look at infertility. It really is a couple's issue. And that's the best way to approach it when you're uh, working up a patient. So neither individual should feel like it's their fault or that it's their isolated problem. 50% of the time, there's going to be both a male and a female factor. And 30% of the time, it'll be likely an isolated male factor that's contributing. Hmm. I didn't realize it's that high for a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. So when should a couple seek a fertility evaluation? How often or how long should they try before they come in for help? Yeah, so that's really based on the female's age. So for women under the age of 35, if they've consistently been trying for at least a year to get pregnant and haven't been able to, they should go in and and be further evaluated. Now for women over the age of 35, that timeline is a little bit shorter. That's six months of consistently trying. And if they're unable at that point, they should seek evaluation. So you mentioned it's important for a female's age. Does a male's age play a part in this? Yeah, absolutely. So sperm production for men starts around the onset of puberty. And for most adolescents, that's around 10 to 12 years old. And at its peak, sperm production is produced at a rate of about 1500 sperm per second, which is really crazy to think about those kinds of numbers. And for men, sperm production can continue potentially throughout their lifetime, although it does tend to decline as they get older. The amount of sperm they make and the motility, the percentage of sperm that are swimming and moving will decrease. And for most guys, they'll still be in the range of able to conceive naturally with their partner, even as as they get older. So 
from what at least of what I've read is that the number of sperm in males doesn't decrease all that much with age, but their effectiveness, their motility, their viability does tend to decrease. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So theoretically, a male could result in a fertility issue, even in rather advanced age compared to a female, at least. Yeah. So men have a much larger window of fertility than women do. Although we're realizing that a man's age probably plays a much larger role than we previously had thought. There have been a number of studies that have come out in the last five to 10 years that really put an emphasis on what we call advanced paternal age. So for all my male patients who are over the age of 40, and definitely if they're over the age of 45, I have a discussion with them. For women, uh, we've been hearing our entire lives about a biological clock and this clock is is ticking and that window is very small, but what, as it turns out, that window also is very important for men and their contribution in terms of the genetics that they contribute. And what we've seen from these studies are that for children that are born to a father over the age of 40, and like I said, definitely over the age of 45, those children are at an increased risk for a number of different genetic conditions. Those health conditions can include autism, schizophrenia, type one diabetes, bipolar disorder, Down syndrome, a number of congenital heart defects, leukemia, ADHD, and several other rather rare syndromes that you don't see very often. Now, all these conditions, the relative risk for these conditions is uh, low, but the increased risk for patients who are born to, again, a father between the ages 40, 45, and up is up to six times higher than the general population. So that's significant. And then the other important piece of this puzzle is that research also shows that children that are born to older fathers are also at increased risk. Those pregnancies are increased risk of miscarriage, preterm birth, and a number of perinatal complications for mom, even when controlling for female age. So that's even to a female who is under the age of 35. And for older mothers, that risk is compounded in those cases. So it sounds like age is really important for both males and females in order to produce a healthy baby. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you need to be aware of some of these increased risks because the next follow-up question I get from couples is, uh, well, can you test for these different conditions and these syndromes? And the answer is sort of. Some of these we can test for with genetic testing and some we can't. So there's some inherent risk that they just need to be aware of. So how often is infertility in males associated with other symptoms, maybe low libido or erectile dysfunction? Well, that's a great question, Daryl. So imagine that you're trying to conceive under like the most stressful conditions, right? You're having sex around the time of ovulation on a daily basis for that seven to 10 day window. And if you don't get pregnant, you're back to square one the next month. So what I hear from my patients is that it's a very stressful process for them. And a lot of them endorse feeling a decrease in their sex drive and potentially erections. So I screen for that uh, in my infertility patients. I have them fill out some forms that help us tease some of those symptoms out that may be more difficult for them to talk about. And from what I've seen in my patient population, about 30% of the men who are coming in will endorse some changes in their sex drive or erectile function. And by screening for these things, we can address them at the visit and can offer them something that can help supplement their erectile function and hopefully make that process a little bit easier for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you're a urologist and there are other medical causes of infertility in males. Can you review some of those with us? 
for men who have slightly lower sperm counts, the most common cause of infertility I see in that population are lifestyle factors that are very important. And the good thing about that is that those are modifiable for most patients. And there, there are things that they can do and kind of take ownership for. For 10% of men, there may be a hormonal imbalance that's contributing related to testosterone. And that's something that we potentially can treat medically. Then there's about a 20 to 30% of patients that may present with a varicocele. And that also is something that we can discuss repair, then that potentially can improve their chances of conception. And then there's like a 40% group of patients in which they may not have an identifiable cause of their infertility. And as you can imagine, this can be quite frustrating for couples because what they are looking for is answers. And sometimes we're just not able to provide that. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned lifestyle issues. What, what are some of those that may affect a male's fertility? I tell my patients that whatever is good for your overall health is good for your sperm. So uh, I ask them to limit their alcohol intake to no more than one drink per night. I ask them to stay away from any kind of smoking, tobacco use, and that includes marijuana use. Eat a healthy diet try and reduce the amount of stress in their life, which is always easier said than done and engage in regular exercise while not overdoing it. Cause that potentially can hurt sperm counts and then maintaining a healthy weight. Okay. Well, I've seen a fair number of my male patients who have had a vasectomy and I guess that's the ultimate form of infertility, but they want to have that reversed. How effective is reversal? Yeah, great question. So up to 6% of all men that have a vasectomy will ultimately choose to have it reversed. So that's a pretty large percentage if you think about the number of men who undergo vasectomy. For success rates, their success is largely tied to time from vasectomy. The sooner out you are, the higher likelihood that you'll be successful if we're able to put it back together. For patients who are a few years out, we quote them a success rate of up to 95%. For those who may be over 10 to 15, years out, that number drops slightly, um, anywhere from 75 to 80%. Okay. My practice is mostly older men over 60. So the fertility issue, that ship has already sailed, but in those who have younger couples in their practice, in an outpatient practice, how much of this evaluation can be performed by a primary care provider? Primary care providers can perform the initial history and physical exam, which is really key uh, when it comes to a fertility workup. And then they should order a semen analysis to assess what the sperm counts look like. And if there's any abnormality on that semen analysis, then we usually recommend that they refer them to a specialist in male infertility so that we can perform a little bit more in depth of an evaluation. And are in general, are all urologists comfortable evaluating fertility issues? Or are there, just like everything else, specialists in your area that are more comfortable than others? It seems like every year, everyone becomes just a little bit more specialized. Male infertility really is a small world. There aren't that many fellowship trained urologists out there who do male infertility or primarily deal with male infertility. So um, certainly seeing a urologist is better than nothing, but if possible, and if patients have access to a provider who specializes in that, I think they'll be able to get more in-depth answers and probably a quicker evaluation. So primary care provider does a semen analysis and then decides to refer to a urologist. What additional evaluation can the patient expect then? Yeah. So when you're being seen by a fertility specialist, we'll typically do blood work to check hormones, primarily testosterone and their follicle stimulating hormone. Those are really the big two. 
For some patients, we may offer specialized genetic testing based on something that comes up in their history or physical exam. And depending what we find on physical exam, we may also recommend an ultrasound of the scrotum and testicles to assess further anatomy. A specialist will also have a discussion regarding the association of low sperm counts and other health conditions that have been associated with male infertility. That's really important for patients, and that's something that may be missed if if they don't get referred to a specialist. Some of the implications that they should be aware of are increased risk of four different types of cancer that are closely tied to male infertility. That includes testicular cancer, melanoma, prostate cancer, and colon cancer. Now, I realize there are multiple causes for infertility and the treatment and the success of treatment depends on the cause, but do you have a rough idea just across the board, what percentage of males with infertility can be eventually effectively treated? Yeah. So 30 to 40% of men who I see, we will make some lifestyle modification recommendations for them that potentially may improve their sperm counts or their motility. And then there's a 20 to 30% in which we are going to recommend surgery for varicocele to potentially improve their chances of conception. So that being said, at least 50% of patients, we're going to have some kind of recommendations that potentially are going to improve their chances of conceiving. So what are the most common causes that you see as a urologist and what treatment do they receive? Varicocele would probably be one of the most common, potentially modifiable factors that we see. 15% of all men have a varicocele, but in the infertile population, up to 50% of men may have a varicocele. And this can certainly affect both their counts and their motility, even for patients who ultimately are going to choose to undergo in vitro fertilization. There are many studies that show that it improves fertilization rates, even with assisted reproductive techniques. And then for patients with low testosterone, that probably is the minority of the patients that I see. That's probably in the 10% range. But for those patients, we may recommend some medications that can improve both their testosterone and potentially their sperm counts. And then lastly, that group of patients in whom we're going to recommend lifestyle modification factors that hopefully are not only good for their sperm, but also other health factors. Mm -hmm. Well, in primary care, especially in family medicine, we often talk to the patient about their future plans, you know, future family planning. And what should we recommend to our male patients as preventive measures, which may increase their likelihood of future fertility? I'm sure these are a lot of things that you already discuss with your patients in clinic, and this includes avoiding any kind of harmful substances such as alcohol, or at least minimizing exposure, completely eliminating use of tobacco. Tobacco really is a big one. Not only does it hurt your counts, motility, and cause other health implications, but it also has been shown to increase miscarriage rates for couples who are trying to conceive significantly depending on the amount of cigarettes that they smoke per day. So there is kind of correlative effect there. And then obviously any illegal substances that would include marijuana, which has also um, been shown to have some fertility implications. And then for those patients who work in some kind of job where they may have occupational exposures, either to radiation or chemicals, that's another potential source of fertility that they should be aware of and make sure that they're wearing appropriate protective gear. Do you know if weight is important? Is is obesity an issue in uh, infertility? 
absolutely. Like everything else related to your health, it absolutely is. And there's some studies that show that sperm counts correlate almost linearly with BMI. So controlling weight and weight loss for those who are overweight is another way to potentially improve their counts. Okay. Well, Savant, can you summarize our discussion? Maybe give us two or three important points which summarize the uh, issue of infertility in males? Absolutely. So first off, I would say if there's any question about your fertility for you or your partner, talk to your doctor about it. And if needed, get a referral to a specialist when it's appropriate. Second are, even if your sperm counts are low, do not feel like this fertility issue is your fault because thankfully we have a lot of really successful treatment options for many patients. And thankfully we have other assisted reproductive techniques that we can employ for couples who have counts that may not allow for natural conception. And then lastly, I would say whatever you do to take care of your body, take care of your health will also be healthy and helpful for your sperm. All right. Well, we've been discussing male infertility with Dr. Savan Hilo from the Department of Urology at the Mayo Clinic. Savan, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Daryl. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week.